You are listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. We invite you to join us on the exciting journey of following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. This episode was recorded at the Vineyard Nordic Summer Camp. So what is theology? Uh, it's a good question. I usually say it's thinking about God. And who can do theology? Well, anyone who's thinking about God is actually doing theology. Uh, so, it comes from two Greek words, theos and log- logic, of course, theology. Yeah? So, um, theos means God and logic means logic. So, thinking logically about God, how you can do that, because God is different to our logic. But that doesn't mean that he, that he is not logical, because he, he can't, he, for example, he can't do things that he, he, can't go, he can't go against himself. If he has said something, he doesn't want to break that, for example. So that's logic. He has his own logic, in a way. But it's higher than, than our logic. But thinking logically about God, that is theology. Someone has said that it's the self-reflection of the church. That someone is called Bach, who's the uh, last century's biggest Protestant theologian, most important. The self-perfection of the church. Uh, and uh, you can also say that refre- reflection about the suppositions, teachings and practices of God and the church. That's another way of putting it, what theology is. And uh, one of my favorite writers, Stanley Grenz, says, like, says it like this. Theology is the Christian community reflecting on and articulating faith of the people who have encountered God in God's activity as focused in the history of Jesus of Nazareth and who therefore seeks to live as the people of God in the contemporary world. What he captures here is actually also that doing theology is a practical thing. It's not just... um, Thinking about God, it's actually knowing God and and living what God is doing and what He's saying. Uh, but basically, you could say the theology is reflecting on and trying to order and articulate faith and the way how to live faith faithfully. Um, so that's that's what we will be doing here. We will be, do, we will be doing theology, uh, and uh, anyone who's Christian and who thinks about God, and I think that every Christian is a theologian in one sense. Uh, of course, there are people who have um, been thinking a lot about this stuff. And they are called theologians, uh, and they've been studying, and they know so many different things about about God and about the Bible, and you know all this. But but really, theology is think about God and live the life He is uh, giving us. I forgot to introduce myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> My name is Ulf, and. Uh, 
Uh, I live in Umeå, together with my wonderful wife, uh, sitting here, and uh, say hello to her afterwards. <laughs> it's nice to talk to her. Uh, and I am, we are pastoring Umeå Vineyard since uh, 2011. And uh, uh, I, I'm doing that on part-time, and on the other time I'm teaching uh, at the Academy of uh, Leadership and Theology, the, which is um, a Swedish pastors and leaders education. So I'm a theologian, both as, as a Christian, but also in my profession. That's it. Uh, so we have grown-up children, 27 to 22 now, and uh, trying to, um, you know, getting out of having small children and teenagers and just being on our own and be able to do what we want and so on. It's nice. Um, good. Let's go to the short history. This is just to have a background of how the vineyard came to be. <coughs> So, uh, the vineyard really started in 1974. The, the thoughts about vineyard, the, uh, thinking that we should have something called the vineyard. Uh, 1974 or 75. Uh, it was Ken Gullickson, a pastor in something called Calvary Chapel in, in uh, Los Angeles, that thought that we should, we wanted to plant a church. So he did, and, and uh, that was 1974. And uh, 1975, that church planted another church. Uh, and the second church was called the Vineyard. Because they thought that we need a church that lives out the charismatic more, because Calvary Chapel isn't very, they're very Bible-focused, very, very, very Bible-focused and very teaching-focused, but they, they don't live out the charismatic life very much in the meetings, so they thought we should have something, something else that actually lives out the charismatic uh, and, and the power of the Spirit when we meet, where we embrace the... the touching of the Holy Spirit and, and His power among us. So they started the vineyard as a second church, uh, and uh, that was 1975. Still, Kjell is one, and uh, he had two different Bible verses that he thought, this is what God wants to, to do, and, uh, and that's why we call it the vineyard. It's from Isaiah 27. Uh, verse 2 and 3, where it says, In that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night, so that no one may harm it. So that's the Bible verse that he got for this new plant, church plant. So this is the kind of core of what this Bible, this, this church plant is all about. It's a vineyard that God is, God is guarding and helping it to grow and be fruitful. So, 
so that's the one of them, and then the other one, of course, is from John 15, verse 5, where it says, uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Both these verses are all about reproducing, right? Both these passages is about bearing fruit, to, to go out with the kingdom of God, out into the world and make new disciples, make the, the kingdom grow and expand. And also, this was all about the, what the vineyard was all about from the beginning. To, to see the fruits of the Spirit, to see the power of the Spirit, and also to see, see it multiplied. Uh, Ken Gullickson got to know John and Carol Wimber, who, who was part of this vineyard plant uh, and Calvary Chapel movement. So the vineyard was a, a branch within Calvary Chapel from the beginning. Uh, and then when then it got separated because they thought, well, well you are too charismatic. <laughs> we bless you, but this is not us. You, you have to start your own thing. And uh, I'm not really sure when that happened, but, but at uh, uh, 1982, 1982, John Wimby, it became clear for John Gullickson that it, for Ken Gullickson that it's John who is supposed to lead this new movement. And 82, it was seven churches, all by all. That uh, you know, Wimber took, took took over the lead for really, uh, and and at 82 then, what we know is the vineyard right now. It was kind of the the base was set for it. Uh, it was this is what's going to be the vineyard with John Wimber in, in the lead. Today, uh, the Vineyard Movement is somewhere around 2,500 churches in more than 100 countries. So it's, and that's just not that many years, right? Something, uh, 2,500 churches uh, in more than 100 countries. Approximately, yeah? So, <clears throat> and it's growing. Uh, not that much in Sweden right now. In Denmark, right? It's growing. Uh, um, I don't know about Norway. Maybe. maybe. I think it's a bit like Sweden, maybe Norway. But we're looking to Denmark and see what you're doing, and we're waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in the world, it's really growing, it's like still continuing to explode with it. So it's, it's very exciting. Uh, and to Scandinavia, uh, the vineyard came 1992, when, when a church called Alvik Kristna Gemenskap in Stockholm became Stockholm Vineyard. Uh, and then it has spread from there in the Nordic countries as well. John Wimber was born in 1934. Uh, he grew up in a non-Christian family, very clearly non-Christian uh, environment. 
and, and he became a Christian in 1963. So he was 29 when he became Christian, 29-30 something. Uh, so he was really an adult and had lived a quite destructive life before that, uh, being a professional musician in... Uh, the Brothers. Yeah, yeah, right in the, he was a player in a band called the Righteous Brothers. They weren't really righteous, but that's the name. Uh, and and uh, they were playing in... What, what's the name? What's the name of the city? In America? Uh, you know, what, Las, Las Vegas. That's where they were. They had a late night, one late night show in Las Vegas. Uh, and were kind of just on the point of being becoming a really big group when John Wimber decided to jump out of it. So they were supposed to be the, the four band, is that the English word? The one who's playing before the big band to the Beatles when the Beatles came to, to America. But he just skipped out then and, and uh, thought, well, I can't do this anymore. I have to leave this life behind. He became Christian and started Bible study group in California. Uh, and actually, he has a brilliant teaching about his personal testimony. If, if you look on, on YouTube, uh, it's really funny and very uh, challenging, challenging and encouraging. If you look on YouTube and you look search for. Um, uh, John Wimber personal testimony, I think. Um, or it's the first, first of 12 uh, sessions in a series called Science and Wonders. So if you search for John Wimber, Science and Wonders, it will come up as well. The sound is really bad in the beginning, but it gets better after a while, so you know that. Uh, look at it. It's really, really good and really nice, and also a way of getting to know the vineyard, what it is. Signs and Wonders. It's a course that he, he was doing a fully theological seminary about Signs and Wonders. At the theological seminary, nice, good, uh, and uh, um, it was big. So, to, to Sweden. I don't know about Norway and Denmark, but to Sweden anyway, John Wimber was invited twice by the Swedish State Church uh, in the in the 1988 and 1990 in Gothenburg. So he was here doing as you saw the vineyard man. It's church planting and church renewal, right? So he was coming here and doing church renewal within the other churches. So that's why he came to Scandinavia. It wasn't meant to be planting a vineyard in Scandinavia. But when, when the Aldi's Kristianskap understood that this is, this is really good, <laughs> they wanted to become a vineyard and they really nicely asked, can we please become a vineyard? And then, then they realized, well, we have already, it's already happening, so okay then. Right, questions? I heard Swimber uh, was originally involved with the Quakers. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Quakers is not very well known in Scandinavia. Uh, we have them on, on some cereals, <laughs> a picture of a Quaker, uh, honey pops. <laughs> uh, but they are they were a Christian denomination who were uh, actually known for their for their um, pacifism and also for just sitting down and waiting quietly for God to come and touch them. And when he did, they started to quake. That's quake it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so, so he was a part of the Quaker movement when he became a Christian. And he was part of the Quaker church. And he started to uh, talk about God with friends and stuff. And people came to faith. And, and so many people came into the church. So he, he was, they thought the church was changing too fast because of all the new people. So he had to leave the Quaker movement. Also with the blessing. But still, uh, it was too charismatic for the Quakers. They liked the quiet and the, you know, the quaking. <laughs> they touched by the Holy Spirit, but they didn't like the praying for the sick and uh, all, all, all the other charismatic stuff. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, who in Amunfenia was involved in the community? Sorry, who? Was involved in Stockholm. There, there were three pastors uh, starting Vineyard Stockholm, uh, and it was Hans Johansson, who is now dead. He was a brilliant theologian and, and is well known in Sweden for, for for that. And it was Hans Sundberg, who was also a theologian, but sadly has left the, the movement. And then we have uh, Ted Jeans who is still part of, of the movement and leading uh, Sweden, Vineyard Sweden, right now. Part of Stockholm Vineyard. He's not a pastor, but he's leading Vineyard Sweden and part of the board and <coughs> and also uh, has a responsibility for missions and international contacts and stuff. So Ted Jeans is really the only one from the really beginning of the pastors. There are many people who were part of of the Christianian who is still part of England, but as, as the founding pastors in Sweden, or in, in Scandinavia. Yeah. I think he will be speaking sometime. Yeah? He's signed up as one of the main speakers anyway, so we'll see. Uh, also, to say Quakers in, in Sweden anyway, I don't know about the rest of, of the. Scandinavia, but in Sweden, uh, Quakers are not, they're almost not Christians now. <laughs> they are like uh, uh, theists. They believe in God, but not necessarily in Jesus. That's not the Quakers where John Wimber were part of. They were proper Christian, like Anabaptist Christians, more, more, more towards free church Christians. Really. Uh, so there are different branches of the Quaker movement as well. So those that we have in Sweden are very liberal and not very Christian really. Shouldn't mix them mix them up. Okay. That's the history. Just the where does the vineyard come from? So it's 
I, I, just to say as well, in, in this um, uh, 1970 in, in uh, California, there was a lot of hippies becoming Christians. Like, like there, was, there was a big movement among hippies called the Jesus Movement. And there was a lot of hippies becoming Christians. And they, they didn't really fit into the ordinary churches at this time, in the 70s in the United States, coming with long hair and holes in their jeans and barefoot. Didn't really work. So, so they had to find alternative churches, and Calvary Chapel was one of them, where they were welcome, and where they were embraced, and we like you, this is good. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that meant also that into the vineyard there was a lot of hippies from the beginning, a lot of, a lot of peace, love, and understanding, a lot of, uh, you know, hippie culture. And I think uh, part of that is still actually alive, in the vineyard, where it's it's a in Sweden where it's a, it's high up to the ceiling. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, a lot of things is okay. You don't have to be as everyone else. You don't have to be conformed. You can express yourself in the way you you like. Also, the creative uh, part of the vineyard. I think it comes from from this. That creative creativity has always been a very very important part of the vineyard. Uh, and it still is. You have, you have imagine art from the camp. It's great. And that's... Um, a lot of creative people feel at home and feel welcome in the vineyard. Just, I think it's because of the hippie inheritance that we have. <coughs> um, yeah. And Ted and Sid used to be hippies, did you know? <laughs> Just to tell you. Okay, uh, moving on. So, what are the vineyards? And here comes the Wesleyan quadrilateral. You can't see it, can you? You can't read what it says. I will tell you. Uh, it's a, when you come to theology, you you have four different presuppositions, four different utgångspunkter in Swedish, four different starting points uh, for theology or for thinking theology. Uh, and, and usually you say that it's these four. It's scripture, which is the big one, the yellow one. It's tradition, which is the green one here. It's uh, experience, which is the blue one. And it's um, reason, which is this red one. So four different uh, ways of, of doing, of thinking, um, that, that m comes together and forms theology. And different denominations emphasize these diff four different areas differently. So for example, think of a church that emphasizes tradition. Which would that be? Sorry? Catholics? Yeah, absolutely. Tradition is kind of in the center of how they do theology. Well, this is how we used to usually do it. We have always done it like this, so let's continue to do it like this. I've spoken to, to several um, 
Catholic uh, priests uh, about female leadership, for example. And they say, well, there's nothing in the Bible about it. There's nothing in the Bible against female leadership, but we've never done it, so we will never do it. It's tradition. Church tradition. And they, they, they say that because the Holy Spirit has been in the church all the time, and has, has led the church to take certain actions and certain decisions, that's why we can't change it. It's tradition, with a big T, capital T, tradition. So actually, how you read the Bible is uh, formed by tradition. You can't read the Bible in any way, you have to follow the traditions set by the church. So tradition is really, really high in the Catholic and the Orthodox Church, and, and perhaps Bible is big, but it comes down a bit, and uh, because tradition says what the Bible means, and, and reason comes down a bit, because tradition explains how you should think. You can't think freely and rationally yourself. You have to think like tradition says that you should. Experience also comes down, because it's not important, it's tradition. So if you should think of a church where reason is really high, which one would that be? Logical thinking, reasoning. Sorry? The Lutheran Church, yes, absolutely. The Lutheran Church has the Bible high up as well, or used to have anyway. Uh, I don't know about the Norwegian, Norwegian uh, is better, and I know they are more conservative, and Lutheran conservatives in, in Norway than in Sweden. I uh, don't know about the Danish, I guess that's better as well, but in Sweden, if you look at the Lutheran Church, they are rational. It's the big thing, be rational. And if rationality goes against the Bible, well, rationality wins. If rationality goes against uh, tradition, rationality wins. If rationality goes against experience, rationality is yes. always. Uh, I mean, the Lutheran Church still have sola scriptura, like the Bible alone, uh, uh, but still, reason is the it's the liberal churches really. It can be the Lutheran Church, it can be some other state church, or it can be uh, like like a liberal free church. Usually, the reason is really high up. Uh, we have the Ecumenical Ecumenia Church, the Covenant Church in Sweden, is also relatively liberal. The reason is like the thing to construct theology to. If we look at scripture, then what churches? What churches are really scriptures? You know, scripture, where the Bible is really important. Baptist Church? Yes. Some of them. In Sweden, the Baptist Church is part of the Ecumenia Church, the Covenant Church. So that's the reason. But, but usually, it's the Baptist Church scripture is really important. And the Evangelical Church. Right? The Evangelical. That's where scripture is really the thing. And also the conservative Lutheran churches. There's also Sola Scriptura, you know, as Luther said. The scripture alone, that's the thing. Not tradition. Luther, he turned his back against tradition. 
that's what happened really in the in the um, in the Reformation. And they said it's scripture that should guide our lives, not tradition. So conservative Lutheran churches also hold scripture really high, and and let the other ones come down a bit. Uh, but but really the evangelicals is, is the Bible. This is it. It's true, and we should read it, and we should study it, and experience them, the fourth one, but churches love experience. The Pentecostals, yes, of course, the Pentecostals, the Charismatic, and the the Vineyard is there as well, right? They love the the touch of the Holy Spirit, to experience God, to, to... Hear him and to let him move within us. But but this is the thing then. So I'm I don't saying this to say that other churches are wrong. I'm just saying that we are all different flowers in a big bouquet. And we do things a little bit differently, but we all have Jesus, right? Okay? So I'm in the vineyard because I like the way we do it in the vineyard. Um, not and because you're right, of course, but <laughs> uh, but that's uh, others could have liked as well. Uh, so where are the vineyard? If we should try to place ourselves in this in this schema, uh, <laughs> schedule, in this outline. Well, it's a little bit hard, actually, because the vineyard aimed from the beginning to be the radical middle. Uh, it's a brilliant book. I brought some books with me. You can have a look at them after if you want to. The Quest for the Radical Middle. This is a book about vineyard history and about vineyard theology. And, and from the beginning, the vineyard wanted to be Radical, part of the radical churches that really believe that Jesus is God and he can do stuff right now and the Bible is true and all this. We want to be radical, uh, but we want to be in the middle. We, want, we don't want to be out on the experience end, like experience forms everything. And we don't want to be on the other side either, where... where, where uh, being biblical literate is the only important thing. We want to be in the middle where where the Holy Spirit and the, the experience of God and the Bible that is true and that it's uh, important where they meet. And you can, if you say so, this is the vineyard way of describing it, of course, taking the best from both sides, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and put it together and forming something new, being not liberal, but radical, in the middle, in between the Pentecostals and the Evangelicals, to, to say it in denominational terms. Uh, so, I mean, reason is important for, for Vineyard. Uh, tradition is important for Vineyard. But the, the, mode, the two main areas, really, is Scripture, and experience, I would say. Uh, 
One thing I love about the vineyard when I came to the vineyard is that you don't have to put, take out your brain and put it on the shelf when you go to church. No, you can. You are allowed to reason and to think logically uh, in church. And you're allowed to, to. You can argue about things and you can think clearly about things. Uh, you don't have to leave your thinking and your brain because it's okay to take it with you in church. God gave you a brain. I think you should use it. Uh, so that's. That's what I say to people who wonder who they should marry. <laughs> God gave you a brain, use it. Uh, so, the radical middle. That's where, where we're aiming to be, really. Uh, also, it's both and. There's not a brilliant book, I didn't find it, but it's called Both And. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not just scripture, and it's not just spirit, it's both and. Both parts. It doesn't exclude any of these four areas, really. It's, we, we form it together. It's a try to see, God has given us this wonderful way of experiencing Him in different ways. Let's, let's see how that works together. Um, Try not to be negative about uh, other way of thinking. For example, take baptism. Uh, there are churches that think, I mean, <laughs> Christians have been killing each other about baptism, right? In the 15th century, both Catholics and Lutherans killed Anabaptists. <laughs> they were just hunting them down and actually drowning them. At the, at the, uh, often drowning them. There were other ways to kill them as well, but often drowning them just to, you know, um, tell them that they should not baptize adults. Right? You should, only, you should baptize children. That's the thing, to, that's the way to do it. I have a little story for the Roman, German, he called it, uh, it was the, the third uh, Baptist. Baptist, because they have been Baptist uh, as a child, and then they thought they would uh, uh, need a Baptist, uh, and then uh, they were born. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you, if you do a second Baptist, if you, you count your child Baptism as not a Baptist, and you do it again, then you should be curious. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, so this has been a big thing about bat baptism, right? So, uh, and just in, in Vineyard Nordic, we have both adult baptism and some churches practice children baptism or infant baptism. And it works together fine. It works just fine. Uh, we have, for example, the way of, of the, the, how the Spirit comes. How, how do you get baptized in the Spirit? Is it like the Pentecostals say? The second happening after uh, you become a Christian? Second blessing? That's the Pentecostal way of saying it. This is the second blessing. 
thing. You have to be Christian first and get the Holy Spirit for salvation, and then you have to work for a while on your salvation, and then God is merciful to you and gives you the Holy Spirit as a second blessing. The Holy Spirit for for, for power, for work, for for doing his stuff. Right? Or, or, like the, or is it like the evangelicals say, that you get it all at once? When you become Christian, you get the Holy Spirit, that's it. You can't get more or less, you just get the Holy Spirit. You can't get half a person, but you get the whole person. So, I don't know, it doesn't matter really, which is right. We can embrace both those ways of thinking within the vineyard. It's both and. Maybe one way of describing it is telling something important, and the other one is telling something else that is important. In Baptist, for example, the infant baptism, they're always pushing that it's God who's doing something in the, in, in the Baptist. In, in the, what do you say? In the faith. So in the christening, right, thank you. It's God who's doing it. It's not up to us, not to the parents, not to the priest, not to the child. It's God who's doing it. It's a sacrament. Uh, and, and if you if you faith you baptize, baptize after you have come to faith when you are grown up, you say well it's a response to what God has already been doing, and 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 you lose a little bit of this sacramental thought that it's God who's doing something in the person. Maybe there could be truth in both. So I'm just saying both and rather than. Either or. Uh, are we evangelicals? That's a good question today. When uh, Donald Trump is the leader of all evangelicals, the, the, the evangelical movement has been hijacked in the United States by Donald Trump, I think. Uh, and uh, I was on a Vineyard Scholars Conference last summer in Kentucky, I think it was, and, and uh, we were discussing it a lot. Are we still evangelicals? Can we call ourselves evangelicals? Or is this, has it been too politicized? Is it talking politics to say that you're an evangelical? Maybe it is, maybe not. You, many people, also in the Swedish Evangelical Church, are discussing this right now. How should we describe ourselves? Can we say that we are evangelicals? And they are tending to say, oh, we are uh, believing the Bible. We are uh, Bible believers. That's what we are, really. Uh, let's skip the evangelical thing and say that we are Bible believers instead. I don't know. But that's, that's, what, has, that's what has formed the evangelical church, believing in the Bible. So, also, both both the, the, other, the other Swedish big evangelical church and, and the Lutheran church in America, in a way, are actually discussing if we should abandon the term evangelical just because it has been too politicized. I just have to suggest we could just say we are against Trump. <laughs> well, no, not everyone is against Trump, though. So. I know. I I think, but I think maybe you cannot really take away the point of having the Bible as a, a <coughs> and, 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 no theology. 
You can so spiritual in, in the way he talks? No, he's not very spiritual in the way he talks. I don't think so. No. But still. Yeah. But he has a base of the progress and stuff. Mm. They might have moved away from the gospel. They moved away from the gospel? Yeah, maybe they have. Yeah. But this is also, maybe it's both ends. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should, we should not talk about being evangelical, but maybe we should just embrace that. The thing is not being uh, that we are not believing the Bible. The thing is that we, we don't want to be politicized. To, to be uh, right-wing Christian just because we are evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Because the vineyard is actually a mixture of right and left-wing Christians. So I think that's the point, really, trying to get out of that uh, categorizing that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Yes? Well, is my question as well. As of today, what is the position in our vineyard on that? On, on what? On yeah, we haven't discussed it very much in, in the Scandinavian vineyard movement. <laughs> so, uh, we, we just mentioned, and we're looking at those other uh, areas and seeing what they will end up with and how they will say it. We will never stop saying that we are believing the Bible, uh, but it's evangelical, that's just a word, really. Uh, uh, and if it means being politicized, well, maybe it's better to leave it. Uh, instead of being a, a, a bat in someone's hand. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> so, um, where are the vineyards in this, in this uh, picture? It's a little bit hard to say, because it's both and. Uh, and we don't want to exclude or think negatively about rationality or think negatively about tradition because it's important stuff. The church has done things and the spirit has moved in the church through all church history. It's 2,000 years now. And the Jewish people before that, it's 5,000 years. It's a long time. You can't just say that it hasn't happened and, and you can't say that God has not moved. And you can't say that we have nothing to learn. So tradition is important. But, but also rationality is important. As I said, God created the brain. He wants you to use it. Be rational. But use God's rationality. Not the human rationality. Not the, uh, the one where rationality is, who is, uh, which is uh, limited to this world. You have to use a rationality that is not limited to this world, but it's limited to God's kingdom. Instead, it's different. But it's still rationality. Still be rational. Uh, scripture, of course, it is important. And experience, of course, it is important. We know that and we live it. That's who we are. So I should say, those two come first, I think. But that's my personal view. I think there are other vineyard scholars, vineyard teachers, who actually think differently. That so scripture and experience are the big ones, and then the other two comes down a little bit, but, but that's just me. Okay, move on. Uh, five distinctives of the vineyard, five really core 
things. And one is worship. That's the first thing. We worship God. That's why we we exist. And and when we worship, we are actually turned towards God. We are singing to Him, not about. Well, we do sing about Him as well, and we do sing to teach each other stuff as well sometimes. But many of our songs are actually uh, formed as towards God. We sing to Him directly. We want to experience Him when we worship Him. We want to experience His presence. We want to have our, our sinnen. Uh, um, What's that in English? Senses. Thank you. Uh, open to, to what God is doing and saying. When I worship, I usually say this to my church, when I worship, I put the world right. We usually have the world upside down where I am the king <laughs> and, and everything else has to follow my rules. But when I work it, I put it upside down and I put God in his place and I put myself in my place. I am I'm a human and you are God. You are the king. And you are the king in my life. And you are the, the one who is in the uh, have the steering wheel in my life. Yeah, so, so that's I'm, I'm actually practicing and training myself when I'm worshiping to live that life also outside of the worship session. But it's like going to the gym and having half an hour of exercise. God, you are in control. You are the king. You are the one in, in the on the throne, and I follow you. The worship is for me. It's giving him what he's worth, but it's also telling myself in my own heart where I'm at, and where I should be at. Um, the Bible speaks about uh, worship as the meaning of our lives. Rom- Romans 12, for example, give yourself as a living sacrifice. Uh, and also, again, uh, Eleanor had this quote, quote up before, I didn't take it away, but still a man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. From the shorter catechism, Westminster Abbey, from the 1646. Good. Fellowship is another one. Just being together, hanging out, being Christians together, doing in the Vineyard Man, it's called the home. You know, the school, home, army, and the hospital. Home. Just being. Hanging together. Doing fun stuff together. Playing games. Playing music. Talk. Fellowship. Uh, I think it's underestimated in our part of the world. Especially in Sweden, I think the one of the main keys to reaching Sweden is fellowship. Uh, because we are such a lonely people in Sweden. And people are living in their small apartments on their own uh, and meet people for work, but never on the free time, or very seldom. And if they do, they drink so much, they don't remember what happened. So fellowship in a natural and un... Uh, un- in an easy way, 
just be together, hanging out. We have small groups, we have uh, life groups, on honest and real relationships, laugh and cry together. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Discipleship is the next one. Again, Eleanor said, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Remember? She quoted John Wimber. That's one of his one-liners. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. If you're a Christian, you're on, you're, you're on the move. From the, in the Bible, Christians are not called Christians. They're called, not in the beginning anyway, they're called the way, the, the people of the way. So, so we are the people of the way. This way, this way of doing it, this way of living this way forward, that's who we are. We are on the move, changing. Uh, actually, one of the biggest lies in, 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 in our world that the devil uh, is, is putting on us, or the biggest one is that it doesn't exist. Of course, it's a really uh, done well with that one. But this, one of the other big ones is that you can't change. This is who I am, and I can't change. This is just how I am. That's just rubbish. It's a lie. God can change you. If you let him, he will change you. But you have to let him change you. Otherwise, you will not do it because he, he won't step over your borders or your, you know, what you want him to do. But if you want him to change you, he will do that. But he can only do it as much as you allow him. He can use you to do great stuff and great things, but if you want him to change you, you have to allow him to do that. And invite him to do that. But that's discipleship. Becoming more and more like Jesus. More and more like him. Naturally, supernaturally is the fourth distinctive. How we do the supernatural stuff. How we do the, the praying for the sick. How we do the charismatic thing happens. We do it naturally. You don't have to jump around and shout for, for God to, to do stuff. It's actually, I think that's quite sweet. It's, it's like, if I'm loud enough, maybe God will do something. That's just... God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants. And I can pray in a natural way, in an, in an orderly way, and God will break in and do stuff. So we do things naturally, supernaturally. And also remember the poor. It's easy to forget, especially when churches grow big and you have all these, for pastors anyway, you have all these things and problems within the church you have to attend to all the time and you end up just being with all other Christians. Now I teach at a pastor seminar and, and uh, I'm amazed how many people there are. We, we have one, one uh, uh, one task that uh, uh, they're supposed to meet some friends who are not Christians and interview them about their relationship to the Bible and to the church and to God and stuff. And there are so many of them who doesn't have an unchristian friend. 
So I have to ask my unchristian friends <laughs> to stand in and be their unchristian friends for a while. Uh, but it's amazing. They're just caught up in church life. And I think uh, we should be outside of the church, remembering the poor, the poor in spirit, the ones that doesn't have God in their lives, but also the ones who can't speak for themselves, and those who are poor economically as well. Poor in every way. We need to not forget the poor. And that can be so many different things. Um, so I tell my students they have to have something else outside of church and studies, something with non-Christians that they do regularly, regularly, <laughs> and they have to uh, they have to watch the Melodies after all. <laughs> you will be some contests as well. That's one one task they have to do, just to be part of the non-Christian community, you know, in one way or another. Okay, remember the four. John Wimber always emphasized this part. Remember the four. So we try to as well. We have talked about this, about the about theology, and we just go through it very quickly then. So, the Bible. And I'm thinking serious thinking and good and clear theology. Uh, and then the spirit, power, and mercy. That's that's really. Um, center. So, skip that one. Another um, really important theological feature of the vineyard is the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom theology, or the, the thinking of the kingdom as a key that opens up the Bible for us, uh, opens up theology and opens up our understanding of what theology is really, and how we should understand what the Bible teaches. For the Lutherans, it's been uh, um, law and grace. They have, they have looked at law and grace through the whole Bible and seen how, 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 how law and grace comes out through the whole Bible. And it's been the cross that's the other Lutheran really important key to unlock the Bible and unlock the Christian teaching and stuff. So the vineyard, it's the kingdom. It's law and grace as well, and it's the cross as well, of course. But Jesus teaches the kingdom over and over and over again. Actually, almost all the parables that he gives is about the kingdom. He says, well, you know, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, almost every parable he gives, which is the core of his teaching, are about the kingdom. And the kingdom has been neglected in Christian theology for a very long time. We're almost neglected. Uh, so we start in Jesus' teaching uh, about the kingdom and see what happens. We Look at, uh, at the already, but not yet. I will come back to that 
uh, really soon. Uh, and this kingdom theology is both social and uh, charismatic. That's the fine thing with it. That's so nice. It's, it's kingdom theology affects all parts of, of Christian theology. It's not just charismatic stuff, and it's not just the social stuff. It's not just digging drills in Af- uh, digging uh, wells in Africa, drilling wells. That's what I was talking about. Drilling wells in Africa, and it's not just experiencing God in a in a meeting with thousand people like here. It's both, both and again. Both charismatic and social. Both and. To celebrate what they're doing in, in, uh, in Myanmar. Helping those so poor people. And we're also experiencing God's touching us. And this, this um, already but not yet. This is a timeline. And that's the cross where Jesus died. This is just a model. The, the um, already but not yet model. Here comes another timeline, and it's the, the, the upper one here. It's, it's the, this is this present age where we're living, and the timeline up there is the age to come, or the heavenly uh, time. And at one time, this will end. Right? This world will come to an end. The Bible is really clear about that. It will end, but the heavenly will just continue for all eternity. And when Jesus came to this earth, when he died and he resurrected, uh, he brought the heavenly timeline into this world and the heavenly kingdom into this world. So it comes from the future into this world already. So that's why we are right now living in this area which is called the already but not yet. This is like we're living in a tension. We have one one feet in the heavenly realm and we have one feet in this in this world. Which means that we see she she Eleanor said it beautifully with with was it the curtain she said? That is the cord. Yeah you see it and now you don't. You see it and now you don't. We we live in both ends, we live in a tension. Sometimes God's kingdom is here fully. People get healed from cancer. People get, get healed from physical, mental disorders, all different kinds of things. Uh, and then all of a sudden you don't see. It's like both ends. live in this tension right now. And it actually explains a lot of things that is hard when you have other things than the kingdom of God as a, as a key to unlock, unlock the Bible. Is the time up? I think for parents to get their kids. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, let's skip this. Let's skip this. You can look them up on Google. And take this one. John Wimber one liner. You've heard some of them. Uh, and you have this one. The vineyard is just one vegetable in God's big street. This is a very humble, I think it's very humble of John Wimber, starting this church movement that's just exploding. And he says, well, we're just one, one vegetable. God has so many others. 
as well. And we're, we're also a very new one and a small one. Uh, so, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. We talked about that one already. And uh, it's all about being the people of the way. And we are changing constantly. Stick to the main and the plane. Ellen also mentioned that one. Don't start with the, with the difficult Bible passages. Let the e- easy ones explain the difficult ones, for example. Uh, and also, don't s- start with the small nitty-gritty stuff. Do the big things. Do the kingdom way of doing it. I mean, we could get caught up in doing strange theology about the future, about when Jesus will come back, how will it be, is it three and a half years, is it seven years in the, in, 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 in the, ah, oh, what is that, sorry, what did you say? Yeah, the revelation, yeah, how, how the, what does it mean? The tribulation, is it three and a half or is it seven years per example? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, if, if people are getting saved, if God's kingdom is on the move and expanding, that's the stuff we should be looking at. Not if it's three or seven years. It's fun and it's interesting and it's tickling, right? To look in relations, but it's not important. Jesus will come back. That's what's important. Uh, <clears throat> so, stick to the main of the plane. The way in is the way on. The way into the church is the way forward. The way into God's presence is the way forward. The way into fellowship is the way forward. Never the other way around. Uh, so, the way in is the way on. Everybody gets to play. This is one of the four ones, actually, where, where John, John Wimber lived this very much. And when he had meetings, big meetings, he used. He prayed for some people himself, but usually he left the people in, in, in the crowd pray for each other. Everybody gets to pray. It's not just the big speaker who God uses, it's everyone. Go for it. It's fun. Faith is spelled risk. You've heard this one before, I guess. I think it's actually when Wimber said it first. Faith is spelled R-S-K. You need to step out, like, like Peter did. He stepped out of the boat and walked in the water. He, he risked it. All of it. He could have died. But he risked it. Because Jesus said so. So faith is spelled risk. So Eleanor has been talking about that one as well. Naturally, supernaturally, doing the stuff. Uh, that's a good one. John Wimber was part of a church and, and the pastor talked about what Jesus did. And then after meeting him, went up to the pastor and, and uh, I think it was outside. And they said, when are we going to do the stuff? And the pastor looked at him and said, what stuff? How do you know the stuff? When are we going to do it? And said, what, what stuff? You know, the stuff that Jesus did. The stuff that you're talking about. Oh, that stuff. Or oh, we're just, we're not doing it. We're just talking about it. Uh, so, this is also, so doing the stuff became like uh, one of the core things. You can't just talk about it. You can't just talk theology. 
You need to live it. You need to do it. It's to, otherwise, it's just half, or not even half. It's living it that's the thing. And that's also this one, I think. The meat is in the street. <laughs> Some people came to John Wimburn and asked him, when are we gonna, when are we gonna teach the heavy stuff? When are we gonna get meat? We get meat all the time. We get meat. We wanted the stuff, the, 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 the hard food, the meat. Give it to us. And then I said, well, the meat is in the street. Go out and do it. That's the meat. That's the hard teaching. That's the, the solid teaching. Go out and just live it and do it. Do the stuff. Do the things Jesus did. So, I think that's a good, um, good morning challenge for us to meet us in the street, go out and do the stuff. And a quote from, from John Rimber to finish off with. Our passion is to imitate the ministry of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. This requires we must follow Jesus out of baptismal waters, through our personal deserts, and into the harvest. We want to take the ammunition of the balanced evangelical theology with the firepower of the Pentecostal practice, loading and readying the best of both worlds to hit the target of making and nurturing disciples. Amen. You have been listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. For more information, please visit the Vineyard Nordic's website, vineyardnordic.org.